0: Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. do stop. He's with you cut with his f- odyssey. I've guessed it. I've absolutely guessed it. I enjoyed this so f- much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Welcome, everybody. Another edition right here of Mode Push, an American view of F1. It's our F1 podcast. We love Alex Curie, Dan Jimenez joining you on the program as usual. Dan, how's it going, man? Everything good?
1: Yeah, everything's great. It's a race weekend.
0: Uh, I'm stoked. It's a good race weekend, too, where you feel like there's some extras uh, with the sprint format uh, going into Austria. The Orange Army is going to be super annoying this weekend as uh, the... Red Bull fans will be there at their quote unquote home race at some point in Europe. I feel like every race is a home race for uh, red bull because the orange gets obnoxious at this point.
1: Yeah. I remember when we even were buying tickets for the Singapore race, you can buy a ticket to specifically sit in the like orange <laughs> something section. And I was like, what's that about? And then I realized, Oh, that's the max section. They like have a ticket specifically to sit there. If you want to be doused in orange, uh, Smoke, smoke. yeah. Um, Well,
0: I mean, we're going into, oh, what round is this, Dan? How many races are we into the season? Seven, eight? Uh, I always get thrown off, uh, but the reality is is it doesn't really matter because Red Bull uh, and mostly Max Verstappen have won every race so far this season. So going into Austria, sprint format, after a week off, right off the bat on the racing stuff because there's the actual news uh, that we want to get into. Actually, let's get into the news first before we get into the races and the X's and O's of, of how things could shake out this weekend. Uh, Alpha Tauri this week was announced that is uh, going to get another name change. And Helmet Marco just sounds like a grumpy dad at this point who's like, I don't care what you call it. Just make money. We- You're not us. Okay? Uh, we're allowing you to be sort of adjacent to us but you're going to make your own money and yes you can get some of the help from uh you know the 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 father team here but alpha tower will no longer be a team it will be a different name they'll have to get their own sponsorships how on earth is this working and what does the future of alpha tower look like
1: yeah, I mean they just changed it to AlphaTauri, I think, in the 2020 season. So AlphaTauri's only been AlphaTauri by name for three seasons. I just bought some Alpha, I just
0: bought some AlphaTauri skinny jeans
1: for like a thousand dollars. Just yeah, just <laughs> when you filled your whole closet yeah. full of European wear. Uh, yeah, it's um, I mean it's never really made sense to me that they would try to be independent when they could have a much closer technical relationship with Red Bull. And, you know, Mark Helmut Marco said, like, you, you just mimic Red Bull as much as the regulations will allow, which is what Aston Martin's doing. Like, it's not like everyone else is trying to mimic them. And so uh, there's a part of it, too, is that they're going to relocate from Italy to the UK so that they can share resources with Red Bull um, and just be closer to that team. And so I, strategically, that makes sense if if Red Bull uh, Corporation is going to own both teams you might as well get the the efficiencies of having the two close by and all the knowledge sharing. So it's really going to be a junior team with a as similar spec car as possible to the senior team. And they're just going to be developing the talent. And I, hopefully that pulls them up from bottom of the grid to somewhere middle of the grid.
0: So there could be some immediate payoff, like the, they will be a little bit more competitive right off the bat, just to being uh, geographically closer to the, uh, to the, you know, to the big team. And so, uh but what are they talking about like is this going to have what kind of a name will this bear is it just going to be some other weird version of red bull like that they can but they already had toro rosso out in there then they go to alpha tower that was there for five seconds but they said you need to go out and find your own sponsor are they talking about like just having the name be nothing really related to red bull except for that they're in the same factory using a lot of the same uh equipment
1: yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I was thinking just call it Red Bull sugar-free. like <laughs> Zero sugar Red Bull. No make, make it the silver can. No, uh, you know what? If yeah. you're going to
0: do it, go for the whole money grab, and it should be the uh, Walmart F1 team. Like, just go for you know, the the Microsoft F1 team. I don't know. I mean, if if someone is willing to just go, look, we're looking for a name, and we don't care what we're getting. If, and if Red Bull's going, we will sell you our junior team's uh full sponsorship and we will put you all over this thing uh watch Marlboro get right back into it try to figure out a way to get back the cigarette game trying to get going again I don't know I just don't know what that's going to look like and if it's going to totally be a a team that bears some totally strange name some billionaire that just calls it you know his own thing that could also be this could be a new oh you know what Sorry, I already have what it is. If Ryan Reynolds doesn't buy into this one uh, also, maybe <laughs> the Saudi PIF fund could uh, <laughs> could just
1: rename. sponsor live, it. Live Golf Racing. Uh, live Golf
0: Racing. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what the future of that looks like, but everybody's got to earn another, an extra dollar. If you're going to be worth something, then uh, you might as well totally sell
1: out. Yeah. I also wonder what Ford is thinking right now with the fact that they're going to be coming in, with the power plant sponsorship in 2026 and do they try to have a more of a presence on the alpha tower or the junior team car? Uh, you know, it'll already be called red bull Ford racing in 2026. So I don't know, maybe there's an opportunity there to elevate the Lincoln brand or who knows, uh, the Lincoln town car, uh, racing. What about Mercury? Can we bring Mercury back? (laughs) Bring it back. Yeah. Oh boy.
0: I just I just don't know what what uh I mean the money is insane right now. So if you're going to rebrand and rename and you d- and you don't have to just make up some dumb name, you could actually sell it and have it be a money maker. That's exactly. I mean, that's what Helmut Marco's been saying from the beginning with the Alpha Tower team. He's just like, "Look, I don't care, just make money. Like you have to survive on your own. We're not going to hold your hand through this thing. We can we can allow you to use our resources and things like that." I mean, that makes sense to totally move them from uh from Italy up to up to the UK. So you might as well do it. And if you can, then that does help in the development of drivers because you are using the same stuff, getting in the same simulators, doing the same type of work. And so that could, uh, that could be a payoff. That's all we want to hear, right? Is another team that would be just as competitive as the big Red Bull team or at least close to That's it. Right. So, uh, so They could
1: take the fights Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I nice. mean, w- one more, th- one more thought here is like, you know, Alpha Tauri, um, I mean, there had been rumors recently that they were going to sell the team, and it would have been dumb to sell the team to sell that asset when they're the worst team on the grid, you're going to get bottom dollar for it. When you know that with a few changes like this of just like copy paste from your big brother Red Bull, if you can get middle of the pack, like that'll drive the valuation of that team up and sell it in a few years, like. Right now is not the time to sell Alpha Tower. You're going to get a uh, bottom dollar for it. And I think what we're seeing with the whole Ryan Reynolds-Alpine thing, which we could talk about next, is the valuations of these F1 teams are in flux and really high.
0: Yeah, right now is a good time to get in. Uh, values are going up, so you might as well throw some money at it, which is what uh, Ryan Reynolds and I think that uh, – what's his name? Rob McElhinney, right, from the, the, same, the same dude he yeah, owns Wrexham two. with – they're, they're getting together, and they threw in uh, a combined, is it 22% or something like that, almost a quarter of Alpine, uh, which I've actually heard a couple of different uh, people say this week that they were worth between $700 and $900 million. Uh, not them, but, I mean, Alpine, the team could be worth that much. Alpine. And so you're talking about throwing in in the 150 to $200 million range to buy into this thing. And that's what they did. But uh, what I know about sports uh, valuations is when you give a valuation to a team, the reality is, is it's usually a very, very low ball offer. It would be shocking to me that the Alpine team would be worth less than a billion dollars. So this is a smart move and it's uh it's another mainstream kind of, uh, you know, buy-in. Uh, I think Michael B. Jordan is also part of uh, the investment group as well. <laughs> so you have all sorts of uh, some, although, uh, Ryan Reynolds is Canadian. They do have – there's this – everything seems like it's kind of coming back to some sort of a U.S. influx of uh, of this being a popular thing here. It's getting more and more so, and these are two guys who obviously are trying to figure out with Wrexham how to get them into the Premier League over the next decade or plus or whatever they're trying to do to get them as far up that uh, English uh, soccer league tier as they can. But with Alpine, can you make as big of an impact – That quickly, if you're a quarter of an owner, I don't think so. Right. I mean, normally any move in in F1 seems to be, you know, turning a a a massive, uh, you know, aircraft carrier in the water. It doesn't happen on a dime. It it takes a little bit of time. But I don't know. I think this is a good thing for racing, though, once you get big names, mainstream names into ownership.
1: Yeah, I think that the real value will come from uh, just the media um, benefits that Ryan Reynolds will bring. The, the money that comes in, you know, this to purchase a quarter of, of Alpine, that doesn't really add dollars to the balance sheet. And in the end, you got to spend to the cost cap anyways. So I think the, the value will come from increased marketing um, and exposure, especially here in the U.S. Alpine as a brand, a, a car brand, um, is looking to launch their their first sports car here in a few years in the U.S., So it seems like there's a concentrated effort here to get a more of an American presence uh, through, you know, a high uh, kind of uh, class A uh, celebrity name. So I I find this really interesting because we don't get uh, very often like a data, a solid data point on what these teams are worth. They're not publicly traded like it. it, So anytime the, the terms of a deal come out like this, I find it really interesting. So 900 million valuation for Alpine, you know whether that's higher or lower than, than we would have expected. I think what that says is that the $200 million buy-in for uh, expanding uh, the teams on the grid that was agreed upon in 2020 is way too low. Like, you know, you got to pay the 200 million to get in. And then you obviously got to like put all the investment into the team and all that. But if you're getting 900 million for Alpine, the 500 million that was then suggested for uh, andretti cadillac that they like let's increase the fee from 200 to 500 probably doesn't sound crazy so nice. I, I think that uh, this probably makes it even harder for uh andretti cadillac to uh, get into the sport at only a 200 million dollar price point
0: so you said you had something else for me and i don't know what that means i don't know if it's a birthday surprise yeah. it's not my birthday but uh tell me what you got and what let's let's keep rolling on on some more of these outside of the uh the racetrack type news stuff
1: Oh man. So this was uh, this was sent over uh, to me from a, a close friend and listener of the pod, Morgan Davis. So shout out to Morgan. Who's listening from home. Um, so we all know these like SIM rigs, right? That everybody uh, it loves to get to, to race the F1 SIMs. They're getting really popular and they're kind of getting crazy in terms of like how much money you could, you could put down as little as like 500 bucks or as much as 10 or 20 grand on these SIM rigs uh, to race F1 at home. And so uh, there's a brand, uh, and this is going around Reddit too today. So this is like Reddit's catching on to this. <laughs> there's a brand of these SIM rigs called DOF Reality. I guess DOF stands for um, degree of freedom. Is it like d- dorky engineering term? Sure. So they sent an email. The uh, The subject line of this email is wife approved rigs which I think might be the most intriguing email what subject line I've ever read. <laughs> no, I'm just going to read to you, Alex, the content of this marketing email from DOF rig. So this okay. is to sell a, a, a motion-based F1 simulator rig. It says, our motion simulators are increasingly popular among individuals, including those with wives, who play a <laughs> significant role in the decision-making process. Wives discover the captivating world of our degree of freedom reality motion simulators and are drawn to their immersive experiences they offer. They enjoy the thrilling racing adventures, exciting flights, and engaging arcade games that provide new exhilarating sensations. If you're wondering how to approach the topic of purchasing our DOF reality motion simulator with your wife, we have a few recommendations. Yes. Yes. No on, one. write these down. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, consider inviting her to a romantic dinner at her favorite restaurant, creating the perfect setting for an open and honest conversation about your shared interests. Okay. All right. Surprising her. Surprising her with a thoughtful gift can demonstrate your appreciation for her support. Avoid discussing the purchase during bedtime <laughs> as it may not be the ideal time for a productive discussion. Of course not. By follow by following these steps, you can engage in a meaningful dialogue, emphasizing the excitement and joy that emotion simulator can bring to both of your lives. And then the email ends with a call to action, big red button. What you're supposed to click at the bottom says "surprise your surprise your wife with motion," which <laughs> <That> sounds. <totally laughs> I'm not going to get into the double <laughs> there, but this just brought so much joy to me. That oh like, my gosh! These folks, bless their hearts, selling these rigs they are like, you know what we should do for this campaign? What we we'll really get sales going is like convince them that their wives like we've this. We've
0: got to tell this. them that. Well, it's not even that the wives are going to like it. It's more like you have to start there because this is a tough sell anyway. So maybe oh hit up gosh, yes. maybe hit up the person in the house who if you can get them to almost not hate it, which I'm on their website right now by the way. And if you want to get like their <laughs> higher end rig, we're talking, you know, 2500 bucks after you buy a TV to put it uh, to attach to it. So I but at the same time, I'm also formulating in my head, honey, the kids and I can absolutely jam on stuff like this. And we told ourselves we wanted to spend more time with the kids. I mean, obviously <laughs> there's there's part of that. They would love. And on top of it, it's a it's a it's a real simulator version of driving. We don't want our kids driving a real car right off the bat. Let's get them in the simulator. Boom. <laughs> that is it right there. That's Sold. all I have to do. Sold. Uh yes, these are pretty these are pretty cool looking uh so I, I'm confused here because all the pieces that you buy. So if you buy everything together, yeah, so you can get the whole thing. I mean, it's it's like one. It's like a video game console, like the, like the full immersive driving experience. It's like being at Disney World, right? And on or yeah, at the Avatar ride at yeah. Disney World. It kind of yeah. moves you around with everything. But a five point harness on a real gaming chair uh, with a seat in front of you. I'm assuming this is what Max uses when he's beating everybody in the uh, in the esports world,
1: right? Yeah. I've seen Lando's setup. Lando's setup is like a four hundred dollar setup and then like Max's is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And Lando like sucks at sim racing. It's pretty funny. He'll stream it too. And he just gets like beat by so many people, which I, I just love seeing that. I know. That's
0: that's part of that is but, so you can go, you know what, it's fine because in real life racing, I'm an actual race car driver. And then you have Max who can't turn it off ever, even in the e world, like where he is legitimately like a top five racer eraser across the entire freaking world it's super weird
1: yeah I, I just love the logic here like it's a big purchase and yeah you got to get the big purchase passed by by the boss but at the same time it's like it's a time suck like i did sim racing for about one week i signed up got an iRacing subscription got a little steering wheel and i like didn't go to sleep that week i just played it throughout the night and i was like this is going to be terrible wow. for my family life for my marriage i can't like this is an addiction i can't even like it's like you know just something pre-wired in my brain that I would have an unhealthy addiction to sim racing. And so I've just like kept it at arm's length and, and uh oh, I, was I, say, I don't think that I could ever I really how, get into that.
0: I love how you're like, yeah. So I found out heroin was a problem. So I put it in my drawer. <laughs> all right. I'm never going to use it again. Like <laughs> you're, right. you're like, it was totally terrible Uh anyway, but I just, I only get on it. I don't know. Throughout the middle of the night, a couple of times a month, it's fine. Uh the, <laughs> <laughs> the, That's where we are with all this. And I'm telling you, uh, these setups look crazy, by the way. Like, full-on, the amount of movement you can do with these are crazy. So, uh, if you're into that. All right, speaking of, let's go from fake racing to real racing. Uh, what on earth has happened this week running up to the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix? Uh, I always like this race because it's in a beautiful setting. It's also jammed kind of in the mountains, and it also has given us – some rain in the past, which is I think kind of the only way we're going to get an exciting race in 2023 again. It's like any race with rain we're okay with because it feels like it messes things up just a little bit just enough to where every point isn't going to be stolen by Red Bull.
1: Yeah and even in the dry it has um it ranks pretty high on the list of number of overtakes per race compared to the other tracks it's got it's a very fast track it's short um it's not the shorter thing Monaco by mileage is shorter. But by time, I think it's the shortest racetrack. It's like a minute. Minute minute
0: five, something like that, right? Track
1: record. Yeah, the track record's like a minute five. Um, So race pace is probably like a minute 10. So it's a very short lap. It's the fewest number of turns. And it's got some pretty long DRS sections. And so there's lots of chances to overtake. Um, And what will be interesting is, uh, I think one of the trends we're seeing lately is traffic during qualifying like the guy like the drivers back up in that third sector to be able to give themselves you know enough space to to be able to run uh and when everybody backs up like that then if you got out of the garage too late you might not get across the the line in time to make that lap and so there's a kind of discussion coming out of you know it's not going to happen this week because it's too late but in future sprint races at short tracks could we try something a totally different approach to qualifying like maybe single run which would be my vote is we should just do one timed lap per driver everyone goes out one by one um and then you don't run into traffic issues but uh it's it's um it's a great track one other thing too being a sprint weekend is we'll only have one practice session and then we go straight into uh qualifying for the race so there's not a lot of time to test new uh upgrades and, you know, there's just been a lot of talk of, uh, of bringing upgrades into the next few races, probably more coming to Silverstone than than uh, uh, here at the Red Bull Ring. But uh, Ferrari bringing a new wing is one that has been published that they tested recently at like a kind of a media event that they did with uh, their Lamar Mans car. Uh, so well, we'll see some updates, but not a ton because there just won't be a lot of time to correlate them and vet uh, them out before qualifying.
0: So as we... A couple of things that happened today, I was noticing that, one, Sergio Perez apparently wasn't feeling well, uh, and so he's not he's, – he, like, didn't get into uh, a car at all today, and they're trying to get him ready, like, in some rest uh, ahead of race weekend, which, of course, is all accelerated on a on – a, uh, you know, with the format being what it is this weekend. So uh, Sergio Perez is a guy who we went from being like, this guy could win – this guy could steal the championship from max to being a guy who everyone's going so who's going to take uh, checo's seat this or you know after this year so uh who need who who needs this race more than anybody who needs to have a good race this weekend more than anybody across the entire grid because there's some there's some rookies who really need a a, a burst of energy but they're also rookies and so you kind of give them a little bit of a of a of a length of rope there but Who really needs the biggest weekend here in Austria to be able to kind of turn their season around or to kind of keep the momentum up that they may have built up?
1: Um, Oh, Several names come to mind. First one is Charles. Uh, He won this race last year. That's right. And he has one podium so far this year. So I think there's uh, pressure on him.
0: uh, uh, Carlos would have gotten second, too, if his engine wouldn't have blown up, right?
1: Oh yeah. Good memory. Yeah. It's, it's uh Ferrari should be great here, but like a lot changes in a year. There's talks about his contract, you know, contract talks have begun with Ferrari about a contract extension for Charles, but they're going slow. Apparently uh, is what Charles had said. So I think that they're still like Ferrari and Charles are still feeling each other out long-term. And so if I think if Charles wants to get a re-sign, then, you know, I think he he really needs to turn his season around. The other name that comes to mind is Lance Stroll. Like, with just the discrepancy between him and Fernando's performance, the dude's got to pick it up because I think that there's real uh, value being lost at Aston Martin from the fact that he's 70-some-odd points behind Fernando Alonso When you know, pick another driver who could fill that spot and, you know, you're now you're guaranteeing a second place finish in the constructors championship versus a third or a fourth if you know Lance. Yeah, can't. but how do you have
0: that? How uh, does how does Papa Stroll have that conversation? And and I know that people kind of go, yeah, but if he doesn't perform, then he'll have to fire him. It's like, yeah, but uh, this is also a guy who could have been fired other times in his career by his dad, and he hasn't been.
1: Yeah, I think this is the first time that they legitimately could be a championship com- competing team through all the eras of force india and, mm-hmm. and um racing point. racing point mm-hmm. it's uh it's finally i mean when it was uh, sebastian Vettel and him racing for maybe trying to crack into the points it was never a question but now yeah, there's there's real dollars being lost from the fact that he's putting them at risk from not finishing higher up in the constructor standings so i don't know how that conversation goes if it goes uh but uh Lance uh, or Lawrence being the capitalist that he is, you have to think that the question is definitely on the table.
0: He doesn't have that conversation with him. He just, uh, he sends him in the mail. He just sends something to him in the mail. That's it. And it's just like, boom, you've been terminated. Like make him the PR guy or something, right? Just like give him like a super low level at, instead of racing. Cause the last thing you're going to do is like make him the reserve driver and have him hang around in the garage, you know, drinking from those weird water bottles no. and being like, I can race yeah. better than that. Like that, that's, there's no there's no way that this guy. And you know what stinks is I mean, is they, that he's a pretty talented driver for the most part. He doesn't he does do some weird boneheaded stuff, but like he could ha- he could drive. He could have a seat in F1 mm-hmm. on another team, but I just don't see it happening after, you know, yeah. I mean, going to another team that his dad's not the boss of, it doesn't seem like it makes any sense. So if he doesn't seem like
1: that happens. Yeah, if
0: he gets dismissed then it's probably from the sport altogether.
1: Yeah, I could see too that like he just transitions into management and he becomes racing, sporting director or something at Aston Martin and becomes just starts learning the business side of it to someday inherit the family business and run the team when he's older. You know, it feels like that's what he ends up doing long term. So,
0: one thing that came out of today's uh, press conferences as well was Lewis Hamilton uh, saying that he was. In favor of, Lewis Hamilton has suggested that teams should not be able to shift focus to next year's car until August 1, citing uh, Red Bull's stranglehold on everybody else in terms of development. Max Verstappen's uh, comments to that were, I didn't hear him say this when he won all those titles for all these years, did I? This is how a Formula One works. Life isn't fair. I love the idea of telling a seven-time world champion, hey, life isn't fair, dude. So uh, the back-and-forth but." At the same time, all of us who love watching something that's a little bit more competitive than what it's been, and sports do this, they'll shift uh, focus on things, and they'll make it to where some developmental things will happen to try to kind of even the playing field. But the whole thing about this sport is is if you're good at developing stuff, you get rewarded by beating everybody else, even if it is by a, long, by a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the advantage is compound because if you're 100-some-odd points ahead come uh, you know, August, then just like fully start working on next year. Like you're not going to lose that lead. And so uh, I guess that creates, a, you know, a bit of a, of a disadvantage, but these teams could also, if you're like, you could scrap this year and just go ahead and start on next year. Just like, Hey, you know, we're not going to, this isn't our year. So Mercedes could start on their 2024 car development right now, if they wanted to. So I, in the end, you got to spend to the cost cap every year and, I also wonder how you police that. How do you know that like, Hey, uh, right now we're spending cost cap development time uh, on our 2023 car. That isn't going to help us for 2024. Of course it is. Like, I think that that's just probably uh, a bit of a a pie in the sky concept uh, from Lewis that I think would be hard to enforce.
0: Uh, Dan, before we get into your dream uh, scenarios of how this weekend could go with the sprint races and with the full on GP uh, in Austria, Lando Norris was apparently robbed while on vacation down in Spain this uh, past week. They went They went to – he said he went to dinner and their villa was uh, robbed. Some things were quite Jeez. expensive. Some things were not. And he said he'd leave it at that And because still, the conversation is still ongoing. So he doesn't want to reveal too much about it. I've been to that place before. And uh, tell you what they don't do is they don't rob my room because I'm not an F1 driver. <laughs> they don't see that guy and go, ooh, I bet he's got some nice stuff in there. Uh so uh, best wishes to Lando, who just had some stuff ripped off from him in Spain, uh even just like a Richard Mill watch. I mean, come on, those are like a half a million dollars that's, uh, yeah, yeah the, that's enough for the ugliest watch on the planet, okay, so
1: seriously
0: i mean I, we just fell out of talks with them. they were going to be a major sponsor of the show, and then they just they just they ghosted us, <laughs> and so that's why i'm I'm talking trash, but uh this weekend in Austria. You've got the sprint races, you've got, uh, which is exciting. Remind everybody about the format of how sprint races go, because Friday sort of turns into what Saturdays normally are. And then uh, Saturdays is a mini race and then Sunday, the full GP. How does it work?
1: Yeah. For uh, here in America time, Friday morning, early Friday morning will be the one practice session. And then about midday, our time will be qualifying for the race, not for the sprint. Um, And then Saturday, we do qualifying for the sprint and then go straight into the sprint race. And the sprint race outcome no longer impacts the the starting grid for Sunday. That's right. That's from Friday qualifying. So Saturday is all self-contained just to get some points. And then one thing about the sprint qualifying is that that they have rules around what tires can be used. So in the first two qualifying sessions, which I believe are shorter, you got to use mediums. And then in the last qualifying session, you have to use softs. And that's a, I think that they're trying to experiment with a little bit more control there to try and make it um, maybe a bit more competitive um, or interesting. So we'll see how that impacts things. uh, Baku was going to be the, uh, or was the first sprint weekend of the year, but qualifying got rained out. So, or got, I think there's rain during qualifying. So, and there was, I think a, uh, a bunch of red flags. And so it was a little weird. We didn't quite get to see how that all, all, that played out so if you're watching sprint qualifying that's one thing to be aware of that they kind of are forced to use a particular tire depending on the session
0: so with the setup as it is and with the with the uh, racetrack kind of being a little bit more open to passing does that also mean it's a little bit more open to max really extending himself into a far 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 lead uh is there a possibility that that the whispers of upgrades across the board have been effective enough and keep stepping up because I think the intrigue might be if Aston Martin is close or a little bit closer to what Red Bull has been delivering and a Mercedes as well, who said that they have some upgrades that may be a little bit more effective.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that uh, we will see the gap close between uh, Red Bull and those other two teams you mentioned. Uh, I guess my bold prediction this weekend would be that Red Bull, if they win, they don't win uh, with more than a 10-second lead on the rest of the field. Uh, and that these uh these performance upgrades are going to tighten up the the competition this weekend which i think we're all looking forward to
0: imagine saying that i think that it's going to be so close they're going to win by less than 10 seconds this weekend <laughs> or by by yeah. just we'll, under we'll 10 come seconds on ways. <laughs> uh i, I don't uh, what podium do you want to see what's the one where you go man i wish that this one kind of worked out i know that uh ferrari feels like it the thing about Ferrari is it, it feels like to me they haven't earned anything this year. There hasn't been one thing that they deserve like oh man we've been close. It hasn't really felt like that.
1: Yeah, it's uh they've never really felt like they've been in the hunt the same way that uh Aston has and really only Aston's the one that felt feels like they've been in the hunt. So, what I'd like to see, I'd like to see Fernando win, uh, you know, the 33rd win. Uh I think that that would be great. I think that that would uh give them uh, momentum to to continue to build towards a title fight maybe next year uh and uh yeah, yeah ferrari they they're just kind of uh they're part of like just you know my heart wants them to win but then the other part of me is just realistic that uh yeah, i just don't think that they're they're even in contention so um yeah, I think that the most likely scenario, Red Bull wins with another Aston and a, a Mercedes on the, on the pole. But uh, I think that there's real, real chance, especially if rain comes into it, uh, that uh, we get uh, an, an Aston Martin at the top of the podium. One thing is if Sergio doesn't get feeling better, they might just pull Daniel Ricciardo up and say, dude, you're driving this weekend, which would be really interesting to see how Danny Rick does in that car. Uh, when, you know, the last few years we've seen him on the grid, he hasn't been in super competitive sure. equipment. Uh,
0: all right. So for this weekend,
1: does Red Bull win both the sprint and the big GP? I mean, that's how it's been. I haven't, th- I don't think we've had a, uh, discrepancy, like a, a, a winner of a sprint not win the, right. uh, the main race. So I got to think whoever wins the sprint wins the main, even though it doesn't impact qualifying, uh, but uh yeah that I, I think that's where the money's at what's
0: crazy is is that you know we're talking about this and we're talking about what this weekend could look like and it, it it it's really crazy to think that these teams have done all this work and they've gotten to the point now where i mean it just is it just seems like there's no shot for everybody for anybody else who's in the like the midfield is always just the midfield but like these teams is the disparity between the the bottom three teams and the top three teams has it gotten even worse?
1: Uh, it feels like that. I would say yes. I would say that the that the middle five, if you want to call it the middle four, whatever the math works out to be, are really competitive. Sure, uh, they're super close. You just you kind of put them under a blanket, and then there's like a big jump to the top two or three, and then a big jump to the bottom, you know, eight or bottom two or three in like 8th through 10th, Hmm. Uh, and I, I, you know, with time, uh, the the rest of those will will catch up. Uh, I guess the real question will be, is there a performance, uh, an aspect to the performance and the design of the Red Bull car that no one's quite figured out yet? There's a lot of theories around, you know, hey, we saw their floor, there's, you know, unique anti-dive suspension, there's downwash side pods. You know, you can copy all the stuff you can see, but is there something that we're not seeing um and that red bull still is going to keep a lasting performance advantage um because if not then i think it will all converge to a a much more competitive field by the end of the year if you had
0: downwash side pods on your bingo card for the podcast then uh you're the big winner dan (laughs) you worked it in again i don't know how you always do it but you did it (laughs) it's crazy to think all the development things that are happening with this i i I know that everybody's giving Lewis a bunch of crap for uh, for saying for daring to, to suggest that you know development shouldn't be able to happen for the next year's car until until uh, August to make things a little bit more evenly spaced because they just came off of so many years of dominance. But uh, I think we would all love like this weekend. What we talk about is is can some other teams get close this weekend? It seems like we're doing that every week now, and so the suggestion yeah. might sound crazy. It might sound a little bit uh, hypocritical. But it's also kind of what we want a little bit in this sport is some more parity uh, when it comes down to it. All right, uh, big weekend, of course, in racing, and we're really excited about how this thing may or may not shake out. Uh, I'm, hope, I'm hoping there's some rain just for some drama, uh, but we are going to have a good one there in Austria, and then we're going
1: to break it down again next week for you as well.
0: Dan, anything in closing here?
1: uh fingers crossed that Danny Rick uh not wishing anything ill on Sergio <laughs> Perez but fingers crossed that Dan- Danny Rick can uh get a get some track time this weekend I think it'd be pretty cool
0: not wishing any ill will on Checo but I hope the poison that Danny Rick put in his food worked <laughs> no problem all right for Dan Jimenez I'm Alex Kiri. we'll be back to break down the Austria GP after this weekend have a fun race weekend everybody